0: plot twists, we're obsessed with them. In film, life, and love, they turn up everywhere.
1: It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction.
0: I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover.
1: And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast, and we're from NOW TV.
0: And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars Asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen.
1: So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes nuggets that you've never heard before.
0: Contains spoilers.
1: Obviously. So Fran, welcome back. How was the? Uh, how was the holiday? You can stop that right now. What? I know you're just trying to goad me because I missed out on this week's interview and you know I'm a super fan <laughs> and I can't believe I missed it. And my holiday, by the way, was lovely, but I'm still so incredibly jealous.
0: I mean, the shoe was on the other foot this week, isn't it? It you really are, was. You are the big fan. I
1: mean, you got to interview my favourite Friends character, Ross, also known as David Schwimmer, and Nick Mohammed. I mean, I would have given anything... Probably except my holiday um, to meet them. Um, yeah, I can't believe it. I've ribbed you for weeks about being a super fan. And this week, the shoe is Sables most certainly yeah. on the other foot. But the good news is, is at least I've watched Intelligence and that was great. So it really made up for it.
0: So that is their new series, which we should probably describe what it is, shouldn't we? So it's set in GCHQ, which is like the home of cyber security in the UK. Pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. And then you've got Nick Mohammed as part of this team set within GCHQ. But then this NSA agent, David Schwimmer, comes in. And uh, he ruffles a few feathers.
1: Yeah, needless to say, he's a bit of a kind of bossy American, wants to do all the, like, classic team building, and he's got a real vision for what the team looks like, which doesn't go down too well with everyone in the team.
0: No, like the director of cybersecurity at GCHQ, she's not, she's not happy.
1: I mean, the real plot twist here, though, right, is the fact that this is a sort of big American actor that we all know for being a specific character in a really sort of famous series starring in a British sitcom...
0: Yeah, it's a whole new deal. And he plays such a different character as well.
1: Yeah, and he's starring alongside Nick Muhammad, who obviously... Basically, was the founder of the series he who co-wrote it, who produced it. And we were lucky to get time with these guys, right?
0: So, yeah, we were really lucky to grab some time with them. It was all a bit uh, last minute. So it is a slightly shorter interview this week, but it was amazing to catch up with them.
1: Well, it is slightly shorter, but every cloud has a silver lining. Oh, an so opportunity. Exactly. Well, this is the Plot Twist podcast, and we haven't actually yet started to delve into the proper sort of nuts and bolts of our favourite TV and film, Plot Twists. So we're inviting Jason from Now TV, who is our resident... TV and film expert to talk all things plot twist.
0: Well, I'm pretty excited to have Jason in because, Fran, it's it's about time we had a specialist in the room.
1: Speak for yourself.
0: I'm just putting it out there. But that's coming up in the second half. So, first, let's get to our interview with David Schummer and Nick Mohammed on the Plot Twist podcast.
2: Let's chat. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah.
0: David, Nick, welcome to the Plot Twist podcast. Thank Good you. Good to very see much. you guys. Thank Good you. to see you. Thanks Thank for having you. us. You're both looking well.
3: Oh, Thanks. Yeah. You put out there. I'll put it out
0: there. <laughs> um, I thought I'd dive straight in. So Nick, you created this series, yes. Intelligence. Yes, yes. You created the concept, got the script together. You then sent the email to David Schwimmer. Yeah. How confident are you at that point that David's what well, he's going to look at it and also he's going to you know say, yes, I'm going to do this project?
2: Well, we'd worked, well, we knew each other beforehand, so that helped. Okay. So um, Julia Davis and I had written a, uh, a pilot for Channel 4, which we'd filmed about morning television, oh, nice. which um, Sony Studios were... Looking to distribute, he never he never went series in the end. But um, David had got Windavit had seen it through that, and so had been in contact, um, and then ended up coming over, and we did sort of three four days of improv together, which was brilliant and really fun, and 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 Dave and I just got on really well. Natural rapport. Um, yeah, yeah. And so um, uh, I guess it was probably about a, a year or so later uh, that I'd, I'd I'd had time to kind of write up this uh, sort of treatment and had had, sure. had this idea and sort of just sort of working out exactly what, what kind of show it might be. And so I sent that over to David and you I think David very much enjoyed what, what the sound of it. And then I had a, a script commission and then sent David the script and Pretty much from then on, we were kind of working on it, you know, throughout together, and it's been brilliant. So
0: were you confident when you sent it that there might be a chance here? I knew.
2: I think we'd probably even mentioned it in passing on the phone or something. So, mm. so you know, it wasn't like oh, this is a dead end. But you know, but but I knew that we wanted to work together, and this felt like a good a good idea and a good reason for an you know for an American to come into a British yeah, place, sure. you know, which yeah. you kind of want. You don't want to feel sort of like we sort of suddenly shoehorned that part in or anything. So yeah, I think um, I was hopeful at least. So it wasn't a complete shot in the dark, was it?
0: No, I no. mean, David, you must get a lot of scripts and ideas sent over to you.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, one or two. Um, but uh, I, yeah, it wasn't. It was kind of a no-brainer when I got his email, and after even on the phone when he told me I'm going to be sending you something, you know, let me draw it up. And but just the world, I thought. I thought. I just thought it was a really interesting and original idea to set a, a sitcom in the world of intelligence. Um, where the stakes are so high, but the comedy is really about the relationships and the people, and in, in our cases, his character being totally inept and my character being totally reckless. There's mm. um,
0: <laughs> one way of putting it. Yeah. So,
3: <laughs> great comedy. Uh, yeah, it's just, it sounded great. So.
0: Well, We'll come on to intelligence in a minute, but this is the Plot Twist podcast, mm-hmm. and Plot Twist is all about the unexpected. Looking back at your own careers, I mean, David, obviously, for you, I suppose, leading up into Friends that must have been a plot twist in itself, career wise and personally.
3: Uh a plot twist. Hmm. I don't know if it would meet the definition of plot twist, um, because the plot for me was I you know, I wanted to be an actor and but certainly I was not exclusively known for comedy. I was I had done, you done stage work in uni. I'd done stage work a lot in Chicago and at uni and I'd done some comedy in T V and, TV and like guest star roles but also some drama um like NYPD Blue was one of my first real breaks um so i guess the plot twist in that yeah it getting the break that was friends was uh personally and professionally a huge you know life changing event and uh in a way you know obviously it was the best job ever um yeah. up until now and <laughs> seriously <laughs> um and um you know it, but in another way it was um life altering in maybe not the most positive of ways you know the total sure, loss of privacy yeah. um and suddenly because the show was became so successful so quickly it kind of eradicated all my other work you know that that you yeah. know so it was as if professionally i was born with that show you know that i hadn't done nothing prior so that was that That's was been hard away, I suppose. It was just challenging, yeah. you know. And again, I am not complaining. It was the best gift ever, <laughs> but um, uh, and the work and the environment was really fun and collaborative and, and a wonderful experience. But in that way, it was a a, a big, I guess, plot twist. Because
0: didn't Jim Burroughs, You guys go to Las Vegas. I think the just about to take off. And he says, enjoy this moment, and he gives you some money to go out in the casinos and says, enjoy this moment, because life's never going to be the same after this.
3: Yes, famously, he did say that. Uh, it was, we, we had landed, we were in the casino, we were about to, the six of us be in public for the first sure. time together. Oh, I see. Okay. And none of yeah. us took it seriously. He was like, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. And at that, that night, actually, no one really recognized it. You know what I mean? It was not <laughs> yeah, a big yeah, yeah. deal. But very shortly after that, he, he blew was, up. He was right. Wow. And then fast forward a few
0: years, intelligence. A couple of years. Yeah. A couple of years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's talk about the series then. Obviously, Nick, you created this. Yeah. It's based around GCHQ, mm-hmm. sort of the home of cybersecurity in the UK. Yes. And in the series, there is like a, a quirky element in terms of the personalities. But actually, mm-hmm. that's, the, the reality is the comedy in a sense, because it is like that to a degree. What do you mean? <laughs> in, in terms that there are sort of military Mondays, they dress up. There's like parties. Yeah, and there I, is, mean, I mean, to, to, you, you don't to, expect that, right?
2: Obviously, we've got, uh, you know, there's some artistic license in our show because it's first and foremost a comedy. But um, yeah, I, I guess in, in the research that we did, and you know, it's a huge organisation, and, and you know, we're focusing on a very sort of small kind of group for sure. our sort of purposes of the show. But yeah, we, you know, in our research, you know, we were surprised to hear that they have. A, um, you know, there's a GCHQ choir, yeah. Military Mondays where the military personnel would, would would dress up and bake sales and all that kind of. But then, you know, when you think about it, actually, it is a, it's a it's a public office. It, it yeah. needs to function like any sure. other everyday office. And that again, that was part of the appeal that people could associate with it in in that kind of way. Despite the fact that obviously, the crux of it is that the stuff that they're doing, or or, or as a team, is you know protecting national security, and you know they're dealing with some pretty Incredible stuff, really. So actually,
0: because of that, you almost have like a stereotype of how it's going to be in there. It's going to be quite serious, heads down. Yeah, and, but actually, you, I, know, you highlight the sort of personalities. Yeah,
2: it? yeah, and and obviously, I don't know to what to what extent you know you know mm-hmm. how eccentric it is in some areas. But you know, of course, it's, it's a massive organisation, so I'm sure there are some who uh, who will maybe be able to sort of. I don't know, see some of their colleagues in the characters. I don't know, maybe not. Because <laughs> you probably can't do a huge amount of research, right, based on yeah, I mean, the there's, environment. There's actually quite a lot out there in terms of, you know, on the <laughs> internet, there's been quite a few podcasts, actually. And they're, they're trying to be a lot more, you know, they're on Twitter, on Instagram, you know, there's a big drive to attract w- women and, and, and children. And I mean that in a sense that, you know, they're they're trying to get these sort of teenage hackers onto their side, you know, before, I guess they go the way of becoming a full-blown hacker, really. So they're trying to attract a much younger crowd. So they're they are they're, they're kind of opening themselves up, I, I guess, more than traditionally, it, they traditionally have. that they have, yeah. have done. And I guess there's a, there's a reason for that. But um, but yeah, of course, there are elements, because of what they do, that are shrouded in mystery. But that, in a way, that's a bit of a gift, because it means that you have the license to kind of
0: sure, explore
2: yeah. the perceptions of those areas.
0: Well, didn't they check up on you guys? Like, what's this concept? What are you up to?
3: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, we wouldn't maybe. know if they have, but we assume they've <laughs> hacked into everything.
2: So. <laughs> only only to an extent that obviously there was a press announcement about the show, so they obviously we know that they've got they've got wind of it, but um yeah i mean they've probably they've probably done their
3: their background checks on this <laughs> and it's you know just to say it's really important to us that this show celebrates them yeah. and celebrates the institution you know while Nick's character is inept and my character <laughs> is reckless um you know, it's important that the rest of the team are very good at their job and very competent. And um, Silvestra, who plays our our leader, our team leader, uh, director um, of GCHQ, or at least this, security, oh, she's a force a, to a yeah. Yeah. reckon with. Of, yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. of this division. You know, you know, she is a force to be reckoned with, and she's from a, a, a long lineage of people who have worked for as you say, queen and country? Is well, for
2: queen and country, yeah. And, I, and that's, that is based on truth in that the, you do find that there are sort of just uh, you generations. Know, generations of families who are living in Cheltenham and, you know, brothers and sisters working within GCHQ and twins and sort of mothers, daughters, fathers, sons, You know, there's, there is, I think I, I get the impression that there's, there's quite a sort of family sense to it. And then looking
0: at plot twists again, because you're both creative guys, if you could write your own future plot twist for each other, what would that look like?
3: So um that we, this becomes a big hit after three seasons and we, get to we make start a movie. doing movie. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Did> you, <laughs> I mean, oh, no, that's fine. And like, Edgar Wright directs it. Edgar well. Wright directs it. Uh, <laughs> Season two has
0: been
2: commissioned already. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Are we allowed to, Yes. We are allowed to yeah, say that. Yeah, of course we're allowed to yeah. say that. You know, it has indeed. Yeah, In fact, go. we've written, uh, I've written three episodes thus far. Oh, wow. We I mean, did that's it. a huge compliment already, right? Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. It, and, and and you know what? It was, and we've we've known for a while but um what, what's been really good i mean we actually knew when we were filming season one and it was just really useful from a story point of view because we knew where things were heading and i guess season six uh, season six we wish uh episode <laughs> six <laughs> ends on a bit of a cliffhanger but also you know the elements of jerry's character you're still questioning and, and there's still so so it's good to know that we could leave some things a little bit um you know room to explore in in season two so there's yeah. Lots Sky Sky's been amazing, and yeah. it was a
3: huge vote of confidence. Um, it was really, hel- you know, just helpful knowing that they were really behind the show and behind us. And yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been kind of a dream project.
0: I mean, Jerry, your character must be he must be a dream to play.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to play a, a douche like this. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the ultimate douche, isn't he? <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, and it's quite cathartic to be able to play a guy like this at this. This moment in time in our in our in our history, um, uh, yeah, a guy who is this narcissistic and uh, entitled and power hungry, misogynist, racist, homophobic—you uh, name it, he's it. Um, but the you know the challenge for us was to also find the humanity, so that we're not always just laughing at what a prick he is. We're also hopefully, if we've done our job jobs right, we also feel for him. There is a there's a of, sensitive side of him, isn't There's a bit it? of compassion for him because he is so uh, insecure and, and lost. So.
0: And Joseph, your character, Nick, mm-hmm. I mean, he's quite sweet, actually. I mean, he's a bit of oh, yeah. sweetie. Oh he's Sweeties, sweetie. He just wants he's to please everyone, one. doesn't he? But yeah,
2: a bit of a people pleaser. And he's um, not the brightest spark no, in the shed, is he? No, and I think there's sort of, there, there's a question mark over exactly how he got his position at GCHQ <laughs> and <laughs> why he's managed to sort of sort of persist (laughs) I guess I mean and again I guess maybe not as obvious as Jerry but I think with Joseph there is there's probably an underlying uh, a bit of sense of sort of desperate loneliness I think going on which maybe sort of drives him all this kind of puppyish enthusiasm and uh, he wants to be loved doesn't he yeah, yeah, I think he wants to settle down really and, and wants to be loved. To t- and, you know, he's just a child really, I think, you know, a 35 year old child. He sort of. It sounds like my co host, Fran, yeah. really. <laughs> um, she'll, she'll hate me for saying that. Um, and then
0: obviously, you've got both got links to the UK, obviously, you're from the UK, Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, British comedy, how much of an influence
3: has that been? It's always interesting to ask the American. I, for me personally, it's been a huge influence uh, since I was a boy. I, I think I've watched and and know your greatest uh, shows and your greatest comedians, male and female. You know, from Faulty Towers, Peter Sellers, Ab Fab. Yeah, I mean, I've been a massive fan. Um, so I, I I don't know. I I guess it's informed a lot of. Absolutely, I would say. You know. The uh, Monty Python has informed, and Peter Sellers uh, has definitely informed who I am as an as an actor. Oh, wow. Along with you know some of my heroes, American heroes. Um, but I, I don't know how you'd classify this show if it's a British comedy or a, an American comedy. It's, it's got like the, the Office, I mean, the thick of it. It's got those sort yeah, of yeah. I've
2: been calling it a transatlantic comedy. I don't know whether that I makes like it that. sound like too grand,
3: but. <laughs>
0: David, Nick, thank you so much for being on The Pultures Podcast. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a thank you for having us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: And there we have it, David Schwimmer and Nick Mohammed. How was that?
0: It was great fun, loved it. They were super relaxed, a really great duo as well, and super invested in what they're doing. It was, yeah, it was good fun, loved it. Yeah, it
1: was good to hear their perceptions of the show and how they think sort of their characters come across.
0: Yeah, they were brutally honest about it, like with Nick's character being completely inept and then David's being more of this, like, bit of an arrogant asshole in a way. But they're quite open about it.
1: It's interesting, isn't it, when you bring that sort of British and American humour together.
0: But it really works. Like, when you see them at award shows, when speaking to them in the interview, Or even on screen, there's a dynamic between the two of them which works really, really well.
1: I mean, one part I did think was a bit unnecessary was the dig at me. Do you know what? I wasn't even there (laughs) to defend myself. All
0: the interviews, I've been waiting for an opportunity and as soon as he said, "childish 35-year-old,
1: you just came in my head. I was merrily listening away. I was enjoying it, conversation was flowing and then bam, out of nowhere... There's a dig at me, and I wasn't even there to defend myself.
0: But did you enjoy the reference?
1: I, to be honest, I was just enjoying the fact that I was I was thought of. <laughs> I mean, they had no idea who I am. But you know, the fact that my name was put up to David Trimmer. He knows technically now who I am. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know, the series is really hilarious. It's classically set in a workplace, which lots of great comedy series oh, the best. are. We've got the office, Parks and Recreation, 30 Rock. You know, we know that that's a great environment to bring out sort of humour that everyone can identify with and relate to. And they've
0: done it differently within GCHQ. It's a kind of different setting with like a home of cyber security. So they've taken like an, that sort of winning formula and then applied it into a new environment. And it, it works. It's really great.
1: It's funny, isn't it? Because it's meant to be, I suppose, a very serious workplace because they're dealing with very serious things. Well, and that's the stereotyping. I it? know. And actually, it's exceptionally funny. (laughs) The stuff that goes on is the same as any other workplace, whether you're sort of in a marketing role or in a political role or in a cybersecurity role like any typical
0: workplace um yeah environment which we're quite familiar with aren't we?
1: I know it got me thinking about all of those hilarious memes that you see. You know, and you just step back from sort of that everyday office environment and translate things into sort of what, did it what really people mean? really want to say. Yeah. So I've got some funny ones that I just thought I'd read you that really, really tickle me.
0: Well maybe I should guess what it actually means.
1: Okay, okay. So the first one. So these are all email phrases. So the first is as stated below.
0: Yeah, just read it and get on with it.
1: Yeah. So this translates into you need to read the entire email chain, not just the top lines, because your question has clearly already been answered. And <laughs> I think we've we've all been in that situation before. We've all been on the receiving end of that. Yep. <laughs> right. How about this one? How about this one? I see your point.
0: Yeah, I reckon I I do see your point, but I see my point better.
1: Yeah, it means you can express your opinion, but I really don't care about <laughs> it. <laughs> Which I think
0: That's everyone very listening
1: can probably relate to all of those That's in one fran. way on or another.
0: Yeah, so it's keeping on the office theme, Fran. Uh, we've just spoken about office uh, emails and what they, what they really mean. Yeah. Um, but we're three episodes in and we haven't spoken about plot twists.
1: It's about time, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the best way to do that is to draft someone in who really knows that stuff.
0: Yeah, because you and I are not really the people to... Really break it down.
1: Oh, I'm so mainstream, it's you really embarrassing. Are. You really are, <laughs> So we've got Now TV's resident content expert coming in and chat to us all things plot twist.
0: If you need to know something about TV and film, Jason is the man. This and, is the and man. And he's here.
4: God, Welcome, Jason. Thank you, that's very flattering. I mean... um <laughs> Content expert. I I like that word. I mean, I think at work, I describe myself as content expert. But when I'm out and about, maybe I'm a little bit more humble. Really, I should be more humble at work.
0: In comparison to Fran, you're a content expert. You are (laughs) such a content expert. You really are. Uh,
4: Yeah, I already know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where did your love of TV and film come from? Oh, gosh. I guess, you know what? Genuinely, it's been in my life since I can remember. You know, my dad, like me, just loved technology. So... We we're like the first people in the street to have a VHS player. And then we were the first people on the street to have Sky back then when it was the square dish and stuff like that. So I've always been exposed to so much film and TV. One might say it was used as a babysitter tool for me.
3: But... <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of parents today yeah, exactly. would agree that it still
4: is. <laughs> um but um but I thrived on it, you know. I always always loved it. I always got sucked in I always saw what directors and writers and cinematographers we're trying to do from quite a young age. I kind of mm. tapped into that quite early and it was just something that I just took on and I always felt like, you know, this is what I want to study. This is what I want to one day do potentially. Um, but I kind of want... Like a regular paycheck, so I didn't go down. <laughs> I did go down the directing route or writing route. I should have. My I have friends to this day that that keep on telling me you, know, you should write something or why don't you direct something. I was like, it's nah, a bit. You know, I I need money. I have got a wife and two kids. Now. A, <laughs> I need uh, I need a steady a steady paycheck. So that's kind of why I came in. So uh, I'm in a very very privileged position where I can say I, I really love what I do and I can use my love of film to an actual purpose, and that's, that's a really good feeling.
1: So it's only fitting that you've joined us on the David Schwimmer episode because... Do you want to give us... Do you want to enlighten us a bit? Or uh, or... Yeah, we'll let you do the big reveal. I don't
4: really want to. I don't really want to. It. <laughs> really it. It's so embarrassing. If you uh, don't, we will. Okay, do people so, in the office know about this? Yeah, I think, I think my team know about it, So, but now everyone's going to know about it. <laughs> so in my uni days, my final year of university, I applied to be on a popular Sunday morning TV show to be their ultimate Friends fan, <laughs> um, one of six Friends fans, uh, and you all had to pick your favourite Friends character. And who were you given? And I chose Ross. Oh, chose you, you chose Ross. <laughs> I actually chose Swimmer. Yeah, so you chose who's your favourite Friends? That was the application, uh, and they called me up. I thought it was a joke, like somebody calling <laughs> up one of your from, friends. From, friend yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and just uh, and they were like, yeah, no, you got to come down to to the office, and uh, we'll up and yeah, the prize, if I had won, was to have gone to see the final episode being filmed in LA. Wow. So it was an insane prize. That's outrageous. Yeah. yeah. So it was all expensive. I can see why you went well. for it now. So yeah, so you know, it was it was great. But uh, I didn't get anywhere near because I tanked hard. And <laughs> I just I cringe when I think about it. That's why I don't talk about it, because I cringe so hard to the extent that I was Petrified, my brother and my best friend at <laughs> my wedding day. We're gonna try find the footage, and show it. But we did luckily, find luckily it today. yeah, we did I luckily try. couldn't yeah. find it. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty certain it's been wiped from the the archives. So we, we were contacts on and so that TV. yeah. We so I thought so. David Schwimmer's been, you know, I've always a big, big fan. Always been a big, big fan of his work. So and seeing him on Intelligence now, yeah. it's been great because you know there's been a lot of comedies that he's been on, like Thirty Rock and uh, Kobe Enthusiasm, where. He, Entourage. Entourage. Well Entourage and Curb, you know, effective he does he does play himself. And on Thirty Rock he plays a great character. Uh, environmental representative for NBC, and then gets told <laughs> gets told on the morning show that uh you're like a superhero, and then he gets into this complex where he thinks <laughs> he's gonna save the world, where he thinks he's gonna be that sounds first, like something
1: I do. That's a first, superhero yeah. movie I would watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's,
4: uh, a he th- movie he would thinks watch he's it. gonna be the person that saves the world, so tell he's like becoming mili- he becomes a militant environmentalist. He it's fantastic. If you try to find that episode, it's, it's brilliant. So to get him to see this, get to see Ross say say fuck. Was like you know, <laughs> I know really, shopping, yeah, in really, a I, in a great way, definitely, uh, yeah. So I uh, uh, really enjoyed the show, really did, and he's fantastic, definitely.
1: Well, great. So look, we decided to talk about plot twist today that we couldn't just do it in a conventional. Let's just have a chit chat. So how we're gonna do this is we've picked three categories of plot twist, and then we are gonna choose our favorite from that category, and then you select the winner. Okay, you are the decider. Feel like you feeling it. about? Yeah, yeah. I feel you're
4: okay. like the right. You're the
1: right person to do this. Okay,
4: but. Like you know, to caveat, this is clearly going to contain spoilers. Oh, massively!
1: Yeah, we said it in the intro, right, okay, but this fine. really will be detailed,
4: gory. spoilers. Yeah, I mean, Spoiler if you've got alert. if you've got me here to wax lyrical about film and be, You're gonna go I'm going to be dropping spoilers. We need a klaxon.
1: So our first category is called "They Had Me Fooled." So this is about characters. So these are characters that we're watching on screen that we think are going in one direction, and at last minute, they just deliver something unexpected or out of the ordinary for what we think that character should be doing or behaving. So, Tom, you're up first.
0: Well, I don't think you can look beyond uh, DiCaprio in Shutter Island.
1: Oh, a good one. It's a good
0: one. Very good one. So he goes in as, what, Detective Teddy Daniels, I think? Yes. He goes in with Mark Ruffalo and he's sort of exploring Shutter Island, this sort of uh, island where they house sort of patients that are sort of perhaps mentally unstable and, you know, the worst criminals in the Boston area. But it turns out he's actually the patient himself. Or is he? Well, no, he, is. He, is. He, is. he is, he is.
4: I'm he not is. sure. He is. I mean, I, I always read it as he is. I think I think Scorsese's the kind of guy that might come out and go, oh, it might be ambiguous, but mm. it was a great twist. And his character definitely in that is one of the best performances of his career.
0: Oh, for definitely. sure. The way it unravels as well as it goes on, exactly like, in like, the headaches and then the definitely. Sort of, when he thinks Mark Ruffalo's character has died on the rocks or the water and you just sense some things just spiraling out of control and then... Bam, the end, end scene. It's a
4: great character. He's a great character. It's a good character arc as well, definitely.
1: Well, I've got a hot contender. Have you there? And bear with me, it is a bit mainstream, but I'm going Daenerys in Game of Thrones. I think we can't go through character arcs and Unexpected without mentioning Game of Thrones. You know, we followed her through eight series. We're really backing her for the throne. You know, the whole country before the release of the last series... Was behind her. She was going to take the throne. She was going to be this sort of fair, you know, caring queen. And then just turns batshit.
4: And then... Everyone who named their kids Daenerys back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> will eternally yeah. hold it against George R. Martin forever that they took her in that direction. <laughs> but I just think you know, Game of Thrones is known for its moments of within scene of being you know the Red Wedding or Ned being beheaded. But this was like a,
4: That's a more long, of a plot twist.
1: No, but this was a longer. This, building. A, this was a long
4: build. This was a, it was a slow burn plot twist. And actually, because George R. R. Martin. Stop writing the books at that point. So yeah, was, we didn't know so where it, was it was going. So it wasn't even really his fault. It was kind of like, you know, the showrunners kind of took it into that direction. Um, For that
0: reason alone, it can't be the winner of this round.
4: It well, it's over to you, Jason. I, I, you Who is you the know winner? what? I, I am going to go Daenerys. Yes. Definitely. Oh, Jason. Because <laughs> I thought we were pals. No, it, <laughs> like Fantasy you know. Don't get me wrong. Like Shutter Island is a superb film, and like one of my favourite Scorsese films, actually. But if you're talking about a character going from one way to another, you know, Daenerys in that, that time, you. it is it is Thank a great you. one. But you're both a little bit. I'm just shocked that... <laughs> Who else would you have thrown into that well, top list? the ultimate is surely Walter White from Breaking Bad. Oh, I mean, I how, uh, yeah. how, like, you know, somebody going from a chemistry teacher to I'm the one that knocks. I am the one that knocks. nightly, <laughs> you know, it's incredible. Like, you know, and the fact that... You find out that he was loving it all along, you know. And obviously you'd turn bad. That's the whole point of the show, right? Yeah. you breaking bad. You're breaking he was really a good thed, baddie, though. But he was... He just just fed like off that power. He fed off that power. But one of the most recent character twists that I've really, really enjoyed was from Westworld. So first series mm-hmm. of Westworld, um, Jeffrey Wright's character, Bernard Lowe. For those that don't know about Westworld, you know, it's set in a, a futuristic theme park of sorts where people can go over and relive their Wild West fantasies amongst these androids that look and feel superhuman. And Jeffrey Wright's character um, is Bernard Lowe, and he's one of the architects of the theme park. And you think the show makes such a good job of making you think there's no way in hell he's an android. It can't be. There's nothing at all. And then the reveal happens, and he is. And that, generally, I remember that's been one of the, the best plot twists I can remember for... For a while, and it's a a really great show.
0: Well, let's go on to the next one then. So, you ready, Fran? I think you should kick this off. The end scene.
1: So this is when you've watched something and then just right at the end, the unexpected happens. Hits you. So I've gone for something a bit lighter for this category. Oh, God. I've gone for Crazy Stupid Love. Why? (laughs) I just think for a comedy, so to, to set the scene for anyone who hasn't seen it, and if you haven't, you should definitely go and watch it because it's a great film... It's between these two guys. One is a sort of recently separated older man who's slightly, shall you say, tragic? Yeah, and you know, brilliantly
4: played by Steve Carell as well. And brilliantly perfect played, casting.
1: perfect casting. And then he's got Ryan Gosling, who is this sort of womanizer who takes him under his wing to teach him all things around how to sort of woo the ladies. So it's this sort of great setup where he's taking him out and they're getting up sort of raucous behaviour and he's becoming like a lot more sort of suave but on the side Ryan Gosling's character starts dating this woman who sort of changes him in his ways and he becomes really
4: sort of committed and he basically falls in love with her. So the the, the film gets presented as a two two separate separate storylines. Steve
0: Carell's and Ryan
4: Gosling. Gosling. And the only thing that links them effectively is Gosling is tutoring Steve Carell.
1: I I can
0: do with that sort of figure. You
1: need a Ryan Gosling.
0: (laughs) I really do.
4: Desperately.
1: But then there's this great family sort of gathering and they walk through the door and all of the parties realise that actually the two stories are connected and he looks up and there in the hand of the womaniser who's taught him all these horrible ways with women
4: is his daughter. His daughter, oh, yeah. his daughter, so his daughter is Emma Stone, and it's it's an incredible plot twist for comedy as you well. Really you don't you don't you, expect don't, you don't expect it, and and comedies don't really usually go down that route. And um, it's a brilliant, it's a great t- plot twist. I, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. It's a strong start for me in this. then. Uh, it is. This it's round. a strong start. It's gonna it be two
0: for two. No, no, no. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got this one in the bag. I'm pretty sure. I mean two words, Christian Bale. Here we go. Ready? Oh. not the machinist. Not oh, the machinist. Also, so it's American Psycho. American
4: Psycho. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So he plays uh, Patrick Bateman, who's sort of this uh, Wall Street Slayer in all senses. And you think that with the title of American Psycho that where he's on this narrative where he's killing colleagues and he's getting away with it. He's, yeah, he's he's pretty full on. Um, it's an intense film. If oh, you haven't so seen intense. it, it's, it
4: really yeah. it's brilliant. The it's, it, it's a superb film, but it's very intense.
0: He's, he's a very successful banker. <laughs> he's just like um, a Wall
4: Street yuppie. Yeah, I suppose he is. <laughs> he yeah. is yeah. Yeah.
0: But he likes to kill people. Yeah. He doesn't like people very much. Yeah, exactly. um, but then you get to the end scene and you find out actually, um, usually when, he's, when he has killed people, he takes such delight in the fact that he's he's been so sort of Almost tidy in the manner in <laughs> which he's killed them, meticulous with meticulous the camera, meticulous in where he's killed them and how he's got away with it. But in the end scene, then he's panicking because it's all spiraling out of control. But then you actually find out that everything—it was all in his head.
4: It was brilliant. It the way the way they dropped it was was incredible. And you can't ever think now. Do you know who originally was going to be playing Christian Bale in that movie? Oh, mm. bit of trivia mid-game. So we've we've already spoken about him. DiCaprio is DiCaprio. Ah, so DiCaprio turned man. it down, but you can't think of anyone else but Christian Bale. I mean... And he was, what, know, 23, 24 when he did it? Yes, exactly. Incredible. incredible. And, like, you know, uh, I'm going to show how old I am and how uh, square I am. But I love <laughs> Phil Collins. <laughs> and, <laughs> and basically, uh, that film kind of ruined Phil Collins for me. <laughs> it's... Um, it's, uh, I like, know, but it's... it's the a, a, I'm hoping this is you know, favour. The whole soundtrack is incredible. And, you know, you generally can't think of anyone better to do that. And yes, that moment where, you know, it's just filmed beautifully and you're just looking at him and it's just all, like, it's all in his head. Going to have to give the win to Tom. <gasps> that one, it is, it is. And look. Had to be, had to be. Crazy Stupid Love. It is, was a risk. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah, a no, rom-com really, com risk. It was a rom-com, it a rom-com risk. risk. It was a rom-com <laughs> risk. But it's it's not my favourite end scene, though. What would oh, be your favourite? What have you got? It's Seven. It's the final scene oh, of Seven. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Um, Morgan Freeman again. So, for those again, for those that haven't seen Seven, I really hope. I hope everyone. I hope everyone has. But basically, Shame there's a there's having. a serial killer on the loose, played by plot twist, Kevin Spacey, <laughs> and um, basically, uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are two cops investigating it, and a serial killer is doing his killings based on the seven deadly sins. And it, it gets to the end, and you know there's two left, and everyone's watching this film going, "Well, there's two sins left. I haven't there's there's envy and there's wrath. How are they going to how are they going to sort this out?" And um, it's a really again like you know David Fincher is a is a master of creating tension, and his films always look amazing. And you know it's on that desert landscape, and everything's getting tense, and the box arrives, and the, the way you know a plot twist. Has been so successful is when it's referenced in other TV shows and other things in the zeitgeist. You, know. you can you can see it in other programs. Like, what, what's in the box? What, what's in the box? <laughs> and it is it's that you know that dread about what is in that box. It's the way that
0: uh, Morgan Freeman is looking in the Look box, in the as, box well. as well. Yeah. and Just
4: about oh my and goodness! You never actually see you
1: never what's see the in head in the box, I which think, is almost creates yeah, exactly
4: more. Tension and
1: suspense. Exactly. Yeah. And
4: don't forget, Morgan Freeman is the person that understands why this serial killer is doing what he's doing. Yes. So he's seen Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. And Who he's, is
1: Brad Pitt's wife's head? That's, that's in the exactly.
4: Box. Yes. So Brad Pitt's wife's head's in the box. And he knows that Kevin Spacey has killed her because he's envious of potentially his life. So Morgan Everything Freeman. Everything starts to take yeah, into yeah, place. Morgan it? Freeman's got that in his head. And then he's like, "Raf is all that's left. So clearly. He wants Brad Pitt to kill. He's been. Himself. He knows he's being he baited knows, into he, it. Yeah, he knows he's being baited into being murdered, into John Doe being killed. So mm-hmm. he runs back over, and Kevin Spacey's already in this spiel. Oh God, I can't evangelize more about it. It's just. It's it's it, it is one of those you spots. watch with kind of tension on your face, like exactly. you're so
1: engrossed in that moment with them. It's just horrifying, but gripping. You want to look away. But you can't take your eyes off it It's like that Exactly what you want from Exactly for, From though. an
4: end That's definitely an honourable mention For an end scene
0: Well friend, if you put that forward I know Now no I'm round. sad I didn't
1: yeah. I didn't draw into the archives And pull that one out You would have won You would have yeah. won You would have won out won well, I mean, look, we've got, the final We've got We're on to the final round So we're calling this one the ultimate. the ultimate plot twist Okay So this is one that like Stands out for us As kind of the The pinnacle of the plot twist moment So Tom
4: what have you got
0: arguably the greatest movie of all time, Shawshank Redemption. It
4: is number so, one on IMDb. So, it's it's definitely it's number one many people. Right? Many, <laughs> many, many, many thing, people like it.
0: Yeah. Many people like it. It's on Now TV, just putting it out there. Um, <laughs> so I guess the premise is Tim Robbins is wrongly convicted of being put in prison. Uh, he's there with uh, the character Red. He's played by Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's been making quite it's a few a appearances. Lot of yeah, yeah a lot lot of plot of plot plot twist, yeah. You sense that throughout the film that there might be a way in which... They could escape. I mean, they are in prison, right? But it's the manner in which he does get out.
4: It's true. Yeah, it is the, it's the manner of how... Tunneling himself
0: out, like, I think, 20 foot sort of scraping away at the wall with this tool, essentially, where he's pretending to like design, design rocks, isn't he? Or
4: yeah, like. so, he, no, he's uh, creating a chess kit. He's pretending yeah, to yeah, create yeah. chess pieces for, for other inmates or just his inmate. I can't quite remember. But...
0: So he's put up this poster of Rita Hayworth in his cell. But little do we know that the tools that he's using to sort of create this chess kit is actually tunneling himself out over the course of, like, 20 years.
4: It is a great film. And then
0: there's a bit of uh, thunder and lightning. He's timed it very well. And he goes into, like, the sewage sort of...
4: Tunneling through wades of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how you described it earlier, wasn't it? I
0: think it, it was, yeah. <laughs> I think any man that can do that deserves to be the ultimate plot twist winner. It,
4: it, it's a great it's a great plot twist. And, you know, that, that iconic scene when he gets out and it's raining and, you know, fans, you, know, yeah. Yeah, you know... Frank Darabont's a brilliant director. He's great at those large cinematic shots. It's a brilliant... But it didn't pick up initially, did it in the cinema? No, it was a, it was quite a notorious flop, um, you know, a cinematic flop. Didn't do anything. Got nominated for a lot of Oscars, but it's actually never it never won an Oscar. Really, it got nominated for really? loads of Oscars. I think got nominated for almost double digits. But never won an Oscar, wow. so it's one of those ones. You know when we're when we're curating the Oscars section, we're like, yeah. So Shawshank goes in there, and I'm like, no, 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 I no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. Let me do, no, yeah, don't. Let me double check that, and it's and you go you go and check, and it's like, no, it didn't it didn't win anything. Uh, so yeah, it was a notorious flop at the time. Critics were a bit mixed, you know, a bit mixed on it, but it just captured something for home home audiences. Whether it's that you know you're being enclosed in the place and you're watching it, and that sense of freedom or whatever it may be, it's you know it really really. Captured audiences far and wide to the extent you know it beats something like the Godfather on IMDB yeah, i mean that's yeah, you huge. know that's that's no mean feat so it's a well loved film it, it, it you know richly deserved it, it's a it's a great one so fran you're, you're up against you got, it. you're up against it on this you one. had
0: the lead I drew level now suddenly you're uh, hanging on the ropes
1: okay so my one people definitely would have seen and if they haven't they definitely would have heard the catchphrase from the reveal
0: which is I see dead
1: people Oh, okay. very good. It's yeah, The Sixth play. Sense. Play. We Pains can't me. talk about plot twists without talking about The Sixth Sense. I mean, for those who haven't seen it, I'm going to do a really light recap. Uh, so we've got Bruce Willis's character, and he's sort of a child psychologist, and he's counselling this young boy who's in sort of turmoil. And then he sort of makes this statement around seeing dead people, and you think that it's because this young child is, is psychotic, and uh, it, it builds up to this sort of end scene where... You realise that actually, one of the dead people he's been seeing is Bruce Willis himself. And he has been dead the entire time. So, they then do that really great bit of cinema where they then replay back all the moments that you've seen, but the things that you Haven't. hadn't quite connected the dots. And there's loads of great parts in it that when you read up about it, you know, every time there's a ghost, there's a bit of red um, that's in the shot. So, there's loads of little sort of pointers throughout, but actually, it really kind of. Set that scene for the kind of premise of people being dead, but you
4: not being aware of it. I That's mean, how I feel anyway. I mean, if we talk about ultimate plot twists, it really has to be there, doesn't it? It really needs to be one of the, the top ones. How was it just,
0: received when it came out?
4: Uh, Tony Collette got nominated for an Oscar, and Haley Joel Osment got nominated for an Oscar as well. Um, so the, the, the boy who sees dead people. M. Night Shyamalan got a director nomination as well, I believe. He he just became then known for the man of the plot twist. right? Everything else that he did... After that, had a plot twist to an extent that you're looking for the plot twist. And in the case of Unbreakable and The Village, both times I was looking for the plot twist. Mm. And in both of those films, when you do get to them, you're like, oh, wow, God. Yeah, I mean, I'm st- I I like that. I still...
0: It does change I- your experience, though, when you're watching it, doesn't it? Yeah, it when does. You're
4: yeah, it. When you're expecting a plot twist, it does change your experience. You you, you are always kind of look for it. And look, two shows I'm really enjoying at the moment, which is Inside Number Nine and The Twilight Zone... That's the premise of the show, in effect. You know, these are just like standalone episodes of one story and every episode ends on a plot twist. And so you're you're watching this programme just to get to the reveal, effectively, but you're enjoying the ride with it. You know, two great shows. So that's what everyone's craving, really. Everyone and
0: loves a plot twist. Exactly,
4: and M. Night Shyamalan really nailed that massively and it is such a great film and it is really, like you say, you know, all those little clues... And the way it's shot and everything like that, it's just really, really well done. Well,
0: so, I'm a bit concerned here.
1: I was going to say, I'm feeling pretty confident going into this.
4: I would be, Fran. I think you're going to take the win.
0: Oh, yes! For God's sake. I mean,
4: Who Six cent, Sixth Sense versus Shawshank Redemption for the ultimate plot twist. I think, it, you know, there's only going to be one winner with that. It is going to be the Sixth Sense. It is, You know, again, look, we we spoke about how... What's in the box got into everyone's, you know, kind of vocabulary in TV shows. Everyone talks about I see dead people. Yeah, right? Right. And, and, you know, yeah. and everyone knows, knows, the knows the plot, knows that there's a twist, knows that Bruce Willis is a ghost. Effectively. But Jason,
0: yeah. we said this before the recording. Don't do anything to inflate Fran's ego. No, just,
4: that's it, fine. It, oh, I'm oh. going to say is thanks again, no. Jason, no, for coming. Yeah. And yes. we do, this has just proved you are the exit no I'm probably not you know what you're going to probably get loads of comments on the forum going oh no he got that wrong he spoke about this wrong on that it's fine you know I just like the fact that I love to get the chance to talk about movies and, and that's it really I might have got some of the details slightly off but I don't care
1: Well, thanks again, Jason. I think we've got probably enough TV and film plot twists there to last us a lifetime. So much. Uh, But not forgetting, of course, Intelligence, which is available on Now TV, and Series 2 has just been confirmed, which I'm already looking forward to watching. I can't wait for that already. But it doesn't stop there.
0: It doesn't. Next week, we've got Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. I cannot wait for these guys, and they're going to talk about the new series of The Trip.
1: Well, I think to say that that's going to be fun is an understatement. I love Uncle Bryn.
0: Well, Fran, I don't think there's anything else to say other than see you next week.